Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Rabbit Weasel Podcast. This is episode number 17, and we are opening up a gigantic can of worms here. Uh, Godzilla! <laughs> so, hi, everybody. I'm Jared, the host. I'm here with my brother, Justin. Justin, hello. How are you? I'm good, man. How are you? I'm doing fine. I'm recovering a little bit from... Uh, I had a bad cough lately. But don't be afraid, everybody. Uh-oh. Yes, uh, I'm okay. I'm over here in Taiwan, so... Uh, I'm, I'm pretty safe as far as that goes, but yeah, I've been recovering from a cold. So forgive me if I'm coughing a little bit in this podcast, I'll try not to, but, um, that was Mia. Mia, how are you doing today? I'm good. I'm excited because we are under about eight inches of snow here. Snowstorm. Yeah. Nice. Well, over here, it's nice and warm. So, (laughs) but we are getting into Godzilla, or I guess I should say Gojira is the name of the uh, Japanese original version. We are specifically talking about uh, the 1954 original version, which a lot of Western audiences may have not seen. Uh, You've probably seen the American re-edit from 1956 with Raymond Burr. That's another completely different thing. So we're mostly going to be focusing on the original 1954 Gojira. Do you guys know where the term Gojira comes from? There's going to be a lot of trivia. Get ready in this one. I don't. Do you? I do not. Let's hear it. It is a combination of the Japanese words for gorilla and well. There you go. Gojira. Mm -hmm. But for the purpose of this podcast, uh, we we can just say Godzilla because, yeah, (laughs) just to keep things straight. So where are we? Let's see here. I'm kind of intimidated by by this one because this is such a huge, huge thing we're getting into. Godzilla is one of my all-time favorite things, period. So I hope we can do it justice. But as of right now, we are recording in February 2021. There are 35 Godzilla movies as of this moment, three of which are animes, three are American movies. And coming up very soon is number 36, which will be the American remake of king kong versus godzilla so excited yeah have you you've yeah. seen the trailer right did we talk about it yet yeah exactly. yes i've seen the trailer have you guys seen the um actually there was more footage that came out from japan have you seen that oh i haven't seen the, the additional footage yeah well the one we've all seen from the trailer is where king kong punching godzilla in the face yeah yeah but in the japanese trailer there's a little bit more where godzilla comes back mm-hmm. with a cross and punches king kong back no way yeah okay. look at all right up. well after we record i am going to watch that yes yeah I'm excited. so i even if there wasn't this movie coming out we would still be talking about it but uh yeah the american uh the most recent american series is more interest for uh the godzilla movies so there's not much we can say about this movie that hasn't already been said so if anybody's listening to this and you're a huge godzilla fan a lot of this might be retread for you because there's a lot that's already been said about this movie, but let's start off. I want to talk about before we really get into this movie, just talking about Godzilla in general, because as I've already said, Godzilla is one of my biggest interests, period. So yes, yes it is. Uh, I agree. Yeah. Well, let's actually start off with Mia. Uh, Mia, just Godzilla in general. Do you remember your first exposure to Godzilla or your first movie? How old you were? I don't remember how old I was. I'd have to check what year it came out, but I think my my first exposure, it could have been other exposure, but I think my most recent memory has got to be the 90s version, right? I think it was in the 90s with Matthew Broderick, Godzilla. Yeah, the first American attempt, that was 1998. Yeah, yeah. 98, yeah. Sad. Yeah. 
Taco Bell is what that makes me think of. That's what yeah, I the little Chihuahua Taco Bell dog. Yeah. Like so much uh, of the marketing campaign was like tied in with Taco Bell. Godzilla was all over Taco Bell, and Taco Bell was all over Godzilla all the oh time. Oh my god, I remember. Yeah. Go get on Taco Bell. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot how it was a Chihuahua. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that movie, I'm about to discredit myself here at the beginning. Uh, I don't okay. hate that movie as much as most Godzilla fans do. So I, we just lost half our listeners. Oh well. But uh, that's a story <laughs> for another day. <laughs> Did but, you just get canceled? <laughs> yeah, I think I did. Fans. Probably. It's not God. Okay, if it wasn't Godzilla, it would be an okay movie. All right, we'll leave it at that. But yes, it's it's not really Godzilla. But so you think that was probably your first Godzilla movie? I think yeah. so. I mm, probably is. I think that's my most recent memory. Yeah, I might be wrong, but. And since then, have you have you seen a lot of Godzilla stuff throughout your life? What has kind of your relationship with the franchise been? Um, I have mostly seen them because of you. We went yeah. we, okay. we'd hang on and watch some of the movies. And then the most recent one is uh, uh, I have watched the two latest attempts. We watched one in Taiwan, mm-hmm. and then we I watched another one with the, oh, I'm not gonna remember her name, but the uh, Olsen and Aaron Taylor Johnson, the uh, Brian Cranston. Oh yeah. Godzilla yeah. movie that came out before the one, before this it one. It was just called Godzilla, yeah. Yes, and then just, no, the, yeah, that's kind of it, yeah. The two most recent American ones, Godzilla and Godzilla versus King of uh, Godzilla, King of the Monsters. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, uh, have you seen any of the, older ones then because as we said there's now like 35 of them (laughs) so mostly you've mostly just seen the american ones then yes and this one okay okay we've got a lot of catching up to do (laughs) there's 35 (laughs) yeah (laughs) miniseries yeah well i I want to eventually cover all these movies but it's going to take a while so let's move over to justin uh justin i know a little more about yours but what are your your memories of godzilla the franchise my earliest memory of godzilla is of the vhs case for king kong versus godzilla that i remember us stumbling across while we were in lands Inn and myrtle beach i don't know that's really how it happened but that's how my mind remembers it and i remember watching it in uh one of the rooms when we went with uh our extended family when we went with uncle mike and aunt gail and Kyle and Olivia and I remember us sitting and watching them watching it in the um in the room uh, while we were on vacation and being like just blown away because uh, it wasn't anything that I had any reference point for right. and that would have been probably early 90s no I couldn't remember last. it had to be late 90s well before we get into mine we'll go with that so you, you think probably that was your your first one it's hard to remember but- yeah that's a that's the first m- it's the first one I have memory of. I remember because I remember it being like uh, like the King Kong versus Godzilla, like taking sides kind of uh, element of it. Like whose side were you going to be on? And then that's my earliest memory. And then the next memory I have is us being just a little bit older and you have and you um, uh, sharing with me more of them so like mothra i remember uh godzilla king of the monsters i remember mecha godzilla i remember 
And I remember us doing a few kind of like sets of viewings over the course of spending time together. And then conventions, of course. And then, of course, G-Fest. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. That's, that's a lot more. That's a lot. Which um, is, uh, an, was an amazing great. experience. And I hope we get to I was trying to remember, what year did we go to G-Fest? It was, what, three years ago? 2018, 17? Probably had to be 17, right? 17 or 18. Yeah. Well, for those of you out there who don't know, the... A lot of real big Godzilla fans know this. There's this thing called uh, G-Fest. First of all, there's G-Fan Magazine, uh, which is Godzilla specifically, but the giant monster kaiju world in general. And then they have this convention every year called G-Fest up in what, Chicago? Mm-hmm. Chicago's where and, it was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's all Godzilla and Godzilla type stuff. Kaiju and uh, giant monsters old science fiction, Japanese stuff. It's great. So yeah, I think going to that a few years ago really kind of reignited my passion for the series, yeah. you know, just seeing all these other people and how how interested they were in it as well. It was a lot of fun. It makes you feel like you're part of a community. So let's go back. I do want to go back let's soon. Go back. Yeah, unfortunately this year we couldn't have it. Most everything this year has been canceled, but pretty soon they should have it. And uh, we also went to Japan uh, last year too mm-hmm. so that was cool what did we what Godzilla we didn't do a lot of Godzilla stuff when we were actually in Japan let's see here it was 19 right yeah it was 19 it was, it was 19. 2019 yeah, yeah. it feels like it could have been last year but it was 2019 yeah 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 well we went to so, the the one of the things that we did when we were getting ready to leave I don't I remember the name of the hotel but was uh was by the cinema yeah and uh, by the Toho uh cinema so. But uh, we went up into like the top of a building and there was like the big Godzilla statue and it does the roar every so often. And we got to go up there and see that and took some pictures of it. I think we sent it to you. Um, yeah, I have all, I mean, you know, uh, Godzilla is like one of my earliest memes. Um, and I've had a lot of fun bonding with you guys and gal um, over Godzilla. So, yeah. Godzilla versus King Kong may have been your first then, huh? See, I don't, um, I don't, it feels like Godzilla's kind of always been with me because I don't remember, I don't know what my first memory is. It just, as long as I can remember, it's been part of who I was. I remember when we lived at the old house, which we moved from when I was like five or six years old. So um, I was always really into dinosaurs. I think where it start, that's where it starts for a lot of people. You really like dinosaurs as a kid. Then you go from dinosaurs to Godzilla, right? Huh? Yeah, you had the giant lizard uh, dinosaur giant dinosaur lizard thing in your bedroom in the little house painted for you so i'm not sure if i was already into godzilla then or not but um i've asked mom about this trying to remember and she says she thinks it was also the 98 godzilla movie so you know we can hate on that movie a lot it's certainly uh, a pastime to hate on that movie but it did get a lot of interest in godzilla for american audiences Mm -hmm. Uh, so I don't remember if that was my first memory. Probably before that, we were watching some of the movies at the beach. I remember one of the earliest ones we also watched was Godzilla versus the Smog Monster. I do have a memory of watching that one there. But yeah, it just feels like Godzilla has always been with me. And I remember it was one of my first interests back then. It was VHS. And it was a big deal to go to the mall and pick up a VHS of one of the Godzilla movies. And yeah, yeah. tracking tracking them down we're lucky now to be living in the streaming era and DVDs, Blu-rays. Yeah. Cause it's a lot easier to get a hold of these movies. But back then, man, you went to, um, 
you went to the mall or video store and hopefully you could find a copy and you weren't going to find the Japanese copy unless you, you know, had some sort of bootleg connection or were ordering it out of magazines. But uh, so it took a long time to get to all of them. But yeah, it was one of my most favorite things. So how many of the movies do you think you've um, do you think you've seen, Justin? Yeah, I bet I would put it at 10. You've probably seen 10 of them. I, I've seen so I've seen all the new ones and like all the American ones and the new ones. So what is that? Four, three? Yeah. yeah. Three American ones. I I'm certain that we have watched six or seven of the of the old ones together throughout our time living together and growing up. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, I would feel reasonably confident that I have seen 10 Godzilla movies. Yeah. Yeah. I think most of the ones that we saw were the older movies were the ones that we had as a kid for whatever reason, it was mostly the VHS tapes from the original series. And to kind of give a little bit of a, an outline here, the first one was in 55 and there was only one more in the fifties. And then you had, I think a total of 15 movies from, from there and throughout the sixties and seventies, they were making a ton of them. And then they took a little bit of a break. You had more in the 80s and 90s. And then there was the Millennium series, which it wasn't until I was already an adult when I discovered the Millennium movies uh, where Japan was still making newer ones at that time. And those are awesome. So, yeah, there's 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 so much here um, to get into. And I I've at this point I've seen all of them, except I should except for the anime movies. There's three that came out on Netflix a few years ago. I haven't seen those yet and they didn't have that great of a, a response from the fan. So other than that, I've seen them all That's and awesome. seen them all several times. Yeah. So, cool, man. I can't believe you, I mean, I can believe, but uh, that's a, that's a pretty incredible feat. I gotta be honest. Yeah. 35, 36 coming up soon. So yeah, it's, it's just always been one of my favorite things, you know, as a kid, I would, I loved watching them, but I guess with that, we kind of an overview of the the franchise as a whole. Let's get into the actual original movie. Well, specifically, as I've said, we wanted to do the the Japanese original. That's 1954. Justin, was this your first time seeing the actual Japanese version? Do you know? Had you seen it before? I don't think so. Um, I don't think I've ever seen the original Japanese version. Uh, so this was, as far as I know, this is my first viewing. Yeah, I had seen this one uh, as a kid. I never saw the original version. It was hard to see in the States for a long time. We just had the uh, the American version, which is called King of the Monsters with Raymond Burr, where basically they took an American actor and kind of set him inside of the movie, basically. <laughs> what about you, Mia? Had you seen the Japanese version before? Had you seen the, the American version before we decided to watch it? No, I had so not. You, so this was your first exposure to the original Godzilla period. Yes. Okay. Well, we'll get into that. But Justin, I want to ask you, um, was this one, again, we're talking about the American version because that's what we had as a kid. Did, was that one you remember watching when you were young or what memories do you have of this movie specifically? Um, so my memories of the, the, the American one are only scattered uh, and kind of, I remember it being a little bit, uh, feeling like it was a little more, or I guess a little less dark. I mean, we're going to get into it, I guess, pretty soon. Mm-hmm. But I uh, I was 
uh, I don't remember it being as heavy and dark, but I probably haven't seen it in 15 years. I mean, I think it was one that we probably watched in one of our viewings. And so I, I don't have a lot of memories of the American one. Most of the Godzilla movies are, especially the, the older ones, the 60s and 70s, they're really lighthearted. They're fun. They're colorful. Godzilla very quickly became like a kind of like a superhero. They're, they became geared for children. So when you're used to that, watching this movie is pretty jarring, especially as a little kid. And this movie, um, it actually kind of scared me a little bit, I think, as a kid, because it's black and white, for one. It is very dark and serious, as you said. There's, there's blood in this movie. And then, of course, the, the Japanese version is even darker. But let's get into, I guess, our first our thoughts on this one. Mia, since this was your first time seeing it, what did you think about uh, the movie, 1954? So since it was my first time, I liked it. You know, it had some pretty fun effects because um, and it was done in 1954. <laughs> so a lot of like the boats and then the houses, you know, look very uh, toy kind of like, but I, but I thought they did a really good job. It was a lot darker. Uh, and when you put together how, you know, what was going on and you know, the radiating breath from Godzilla and all the like, you know, meanings that were behind it. You were like, oh yeah, this pretty dark and serious film. Mm-hmm. How really they felt towards kind of like the US, you know? And so it's overall, I thought it was a really good film. I enjoyed, I really enjoyed watching it. It was a interesting way of watching Godzilla through a storyline. Cause usually with the American versions is just like destruction <laughs> and like, you know, so this was a, I, I enjoyed the movie. Yeah. Well, before we get too far into it, I want to go over some of the, the main people here who are involved in this movie because they all definitely need to be recognized. The director was Ishiro Honda. Special effects were by A.G. Superaya. The music was by Akira Afakubi, who... The music was fantastic. My goodness. Yeah, That's the, the, thing the, the music has the endured. Yeah, oh, yeah. The, the musical score, Godzilla's musical score is is one of the best original scores I've heard in a long time. It's really yeah. good. And it still comes back to this day. They, they reuse it. Um, we'll get back to the special effects, but it's starring Akira Takarada as Okada, Momoko, Ko, Momoko Kochi as Amiko, who is sort of, we'll get into the human drama later. I want to talk about that, but she's torn because she's in love with Ogata. Uh, but she's engaged to be in a, in a prearranged marriage with Dr. Serizawa, played by Akihito Harada. And then finally, the main scientist of the film, or the older scientist who kind of explains what Godzilla is, is Dr. Yamani, played by Takashi Shimura. And most importantly, in the Godzilla costume, you have Haro Nakajima, who is actually playing Godzilla there. So... I hope I didn't butcher all those names too badly. My Japanese isn't great, but there you go. I did my best. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure if I said any, anything wrong, I'll be made aware. Um, but the, <laughs> the Godzilla suit for this was over, I think they said 220 pounds originally. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. Maybe like yeah. cement mix or something, I think yeah, is what Mia was, like was saying. Like- it was plaster and plastic and... Uh, yeah, it was really heavy, very hard to move in. Uh, you can see in a lot of the footage, he's actually, they're only filming like the top or the bottom half. So he's only wearing half the costume because it was so heavy. And also they're filming inside in Japan, 
pre-air conditioning. So uh, I've heard that he lost like 20 pounds during the filming of this movie. Wow. <laughs> so, yeah, making this movie was an incredible accomplishment. Of course, now we'll look at it. Uh, this is very far before CGI. It's all practical effects. This was a real, um, a, a real achievement of filmmaking. Some of it, uh, I think the effects mostly hold up. There's some parts, some, <laughs> some of the miniatures, yeah. like uh, the helicopter, especially if you're watching a Blu-ray on a modern, you know, TV. But uh, like at one point, when you see the helicopter. Uh, it's it's pretty obviously a miniature. There's a couple parts. If you look closely, you can see yeah. strings, airplanes, um, the boats. Yeah, some around. of it you can tell it's miniatures. Yeah, but um, it's still really well done. Even when you can tell it's miniature, like even knowing, like I don't know, for me knowing that it was miniature and how the attention to de- t- detail and the way they had to pull that off was really cool. Yeah. Uh, also, you know, putting it into perspective of the time, this was really impressive for the time and the effects got better but no one had really um they used a lot of different things to make this happen they used you know obviously a man in a in a suit they're shooting a lot from low angles uh, to make Godzilla look bigger they're using miniature cities of course and there's a lot of composite shots What's the, is there a term? So there's one when he's like in the ocean and the boats are like off in the distance, but it's like coming from behind him. So since he's so close, he looks big and the boats look small in the distance. Is there a term for that that you know? I, uh, it's a cool shot. Um, it's just more uses of that, actually. Yeah, there may be some forced perspective in there. Yeah. Uh, a lot of it's composite shots. So like maybe they'll have him in the, uh, you know, Godzilla, they'll actually be filming him in a pool. But then in the background, they'll put the sky so it looks like he's in the ocean. There's a lot of that in this movie. And I was watching some of the special features on the Blu-ray. Criterion did a a release of the original series, the first 15 movies. And uh, there's actually a lot in there. So there's a lot of special effects you you don't notice. Very cool. Yeah, even like just watching that special feature, I didn't realize how much special effects there's in there that you don't catch. Where it is composite shots or matte paintings and... So it's really, uh, really well done, I think. But let's get into some of the, the background for this movie. So the influences. First, you have uh, the most important one, King Kong, 1933, I believe. Stop motion animation. That's an obvious uh, influence here. Early, early giant monster fighting, fighting with people. Uh, a huge in, uh, influence on this film was uh, The Beast from 20,000 Fathoms, which had come out the year before. And if you watch that movie, there's there's a lot of similarities there. Giant monster is woken up by atomic explosion, kind of a lizard reptilian thing, comes on land, causes destruction. And that was a Ray Harryhausen stop motion film. And so a year later, you get Godzilla and stop motion is incredibly time consuming everybody do some research on stop motion it's unfortunately kind of a dying art but to to get just one minute of film takes hours and hours and hours of work so that was part of why they created it um this new suitmation you know technique of filmmaking is we could do stop motion but we don't have years you know (laughs) so put a guy in a suit build miniature sets, film it cleverly, you know, and that's what you get. 
So I think from a film perspective, those those are the uh, the backgrounds of this movie. But we also have to get into uh, kind of the, the social and cultural uh, backgrounds of this film. For sure, yeah. So you guys, there's some pretty obvious stuff here, but yeah. Justin, what do you think before I got <laughs> before we get into it? What are some of the uh, the uh, what do you think influenced this movie socially? Ah, <laughs> uh, thank you. Um, yeah. Well, something me and I were talking about. I mean, some of it is like uh, it's not even um, you know hidden. It's very much in your face. You can just like take replace the word Godzilla with like nuclear bomb. And it is straight up political commentary. And the, the piece that I'd like to just hit, to, to say to people that uh, coming to this much later uh, that me and I talked about is the, the fiery scenes of Godzilla um, really, I think, had to be hard on Japanese audiences in the 50s. I mean, this is in the wake of firebombing of Tokyo <laughs> and of, of Japanese cities. And so there are scenes where my actual thought was like, this had to trigger PTSD for people because it is so well done of like feeling the feeling like your city's burning around you. So, you know, there's like, there's like that as one. And then there's of course, you know, the, the very clear political commentary around post-World War II and disarmament and the concerns about nuclear continued nuclear testing Mm -hmm. And um, those aren't, they're not even that nuanced, really. I mean, they're just in your face, uh, which I, yeah. I really like about the film, how how well it does it just in your face with it. It's still being about Godzilla and Godzilla is like literally running through the city, but the metaphors are just, uh, you know, everywhere. I was like, hit me in the face every turn, you know. Um, yeah. I don't know if that's what you're looking for, but yeah, there's- No, World definitely. And the, uh, and the wake of uh, Hiroshima and Nagasaki that's 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 what i was looking for for sure it's unavoidable this is a very uh, a very political movie there's no denying that we usually uh try and steer away from political discussions on the podcast at least uh modern mm-hmm. politics you know, <laughs> is, is hardly partisan in any way right i mean i i really like going back to this i mean i'm sure we'll get to more of the themes but it's a really nice reminder of like hey we still have these technologies and we should be really careful even in you know, nuclear technology hasn't gone away um and yeah. you know this concern that uh, i'm sure we'll talk about is an important piece of it even today yeah so there's there's no separating here this movie is a product of world war ii this was only 10 years after this movie came out in 54 so we're only 10 years after the end of world war ii where of course hopefully those of you you know a little bit of your world history here but japan lost world war ii and they were devastated uh, and then they were occupied by the United States for several years. And one thing I didn't realize watching, uh, you know, some of the, the background about this movie is the Japanese, it was kind of hidden from them just how, uh, how much damage was done during the bombings of Hiroshima and Nagasaki. When the Americans were occupying them, it was sort of a taboo. They didn't want people to talk about it too much. And so it wasn't until several years later where they finally started to understand just how bad everything was. So... Mm-hmm. This movie was uh, a response to that. I mean, Godzilla is basically a walking nuclear weapon. He attacks because of nuclear weapons, at least. It's not clear in the movie if he was uh, woken up by nuclear weapons. It does say that his habitat was destroyed. So either he was woken up from a deep sleep or he was had to leave his own habitat. So yeah. uh, the enemy here is nuclear weapons, right? So yeah, you, you, you As can't... It should be. As it should be. <laughs> 
Just so we well, <laughs> say it once. <laughs> well, you just can't avoid talking about this movie without uh, discussing that that's where this is coming from. You know, this is a movie uh, by people who lost war, lost a war, uh, were devastated by the war. They were the first country to be attacked by an atomic weapon. So, you know, this is partially oh. them responding to it. But it also gets a little worse than that. So, <laughs> of course, you have the World War stuff. And after that, at this point, we were definitely into the Cold War, right? Mm-hmm. So there's an incident. Did either of you, I don't know how much research you did about the movie, but Lucky Dragon, does that mean anything to you? Lucky Dragon number five? Uh, is that when the testing got the boat? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So good job, Justin. I'm proud of you. Uh, <laughs> did your research. But basically, this was another huge, huge influence, just as much as the atomic uh, bombs were. You had this uh, this big part of Japanese. It was a big story. It's called Lucky Dragon Number no. Five. It was a fishing boat in early 1954. So the same year that this movie came out. This was when the United States we were testing uh, the H bomb. And we had dropped our test. Uh, what did they, what did they call it? The Castle Bravo was the name of the the test where we dropped this hydrogen bomb to test it, see what would happen, right? And we dropped it on the Bikini Atoll, which, by the way, that's where we get the term bikini from. But anyways, sorry, that's off subject. So we had tested this bomb on the Bikini Atoll, and there was a Japanese fishing boat that was outside of the area. I think people had been warned to avoid the area. It was huh? calculations were off, um, is, is is my understanding that the yeah the explosion outside. was a lot bigger. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, they were a outside the they were outside of the area. My understanding is they were outside of the area that was like the danger danger zone where they were supposed to be, and the the calculations were off, and so the explosion was had a much wider radius. Yeah. So this comes up in all my artificial intelligence research because it's an example of a technology that we don't really understand. And then like people have access to it. Um, and this is the, nu- the nuclear weaponry stuff from, from uh, what Japan had to deal with is like one of the core case studies that they always talk about. This boat was off. I mean, this was an awful situation. Yeah. Everybody, I'm sure if you go on YouTube, you can find the little, you can find a lot of information about this. It's hard for me to do the story justice, but basically these people they're out fishing and then in the distance they see a hydrogen bomb explosion which is i believe a thousand times the power of an atomic weapon the one that hit hiroshima a thousand times that uh so they see this explosion in the distance and then there's wind and the atomic fallout and they get covered in radioactive ash basically and so they all get radiation poisoning and keep in mind they don't know what's going on you know, this is way, this is before uh, nuclear fallout became a big thing in pop culture and was understood. So they all got really sick. Uh, one of them ended up dying. So this became a huge thing in the media. And of course, the United States government wasn't exactly, uh, what's the word, forthcoming about it. You know, there was misinformation and we didn't really take proper responsibility for it at first. Well, somebody, <laughs> it killed somebody. And in addition to that, um it poisons well not po- uh atomic poison all the uh the fishing supplies so japan of course uh heavily depends on fishing a lot of the the fish in that area became 
Radioactive. Uh, yeah, so they couldn't eat the fish, and that destroyed the markets. It hurt people's hurt people's careers, and that that comes up in this movie too, right? Where mm-hmm. uh, at one point the the fishermen are like, we, "We can't eat our fish. What are we going to do?" You know, that's how we how we live our lives. So, uh, this lucky dragon incident is a huge part of the influence of this movie. And then later in the year, Godzilla comes out. So it all happened very quickly. But amazing that's sort of the, the background from this movie. It's all very interesting. It's amazing so, how beautiful it was in its own time. I mean, I had only been tying it to World War II. I had not like been thinking about then tying it to the Cold War and uh, in the 50s. And it's really clearly all about that too. I mean, it's mm-hmm. just a very much a product of its time. Yeah, for sure. So I guess, you know, those are some of the influences of the movie, both from a filmmaking perspective and some of the, the social background uh, of what was going on at that time. And so, yeah, just just a very dark and serious movie, which is funny when you yeah. look at everything that came later. Um, eventually in the 80s and 90s films, they tried to make Godzilla a little serious again. And then occasionally since then they've made it serious again like uh did you guys see shin godzilla the most recent japanese version film no. no but we did attend the uh event with the director and got to see some of the behind oh, yeah. the stuff behind the scenes stuff at g-fest so we got to see oh, yeah. of it. but i have i have not actually watched the the whole movie mm-hmm. yeah so us with the director <laughs> i was just about to say that shin godzilla uh it was directed by shinji higuchi yeah and we went to G-Fest and we saw an, a panel with him. He was a fun guy. And we, as we were leaving the event, we ended up sitting on the bus right behind him. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. We, we were, we were celeb struck. We didn't say anything. We just kind of gawked from the, uh, from, yeah. <laughs> from our seats. <laughs> Part of me, I wasn't sure, you know, what's appropriate in that situation. Cause he was sitting with uh, JD Lees, who's sort of like the head guy behind all of this stuff, the, G Fest and G Fan, so I just kind of sat there and listened to them talk. But it was a, uh, it was pretty cool. So, but Shin Godzilla was sort of a return to this, right? It's making Godzilla very serious. He's a, a metaphor again for, uh, you know, 2011's the Fukushima nuclear disaster. So this is something that Japan is they've had to deal with several times now. So, all right, well, this is going to be a long podcast, but it's Godzilla, so. It's worth it. Uh, let's get into the movie. <laughs> now that we've talked about all the background and everything. All right. The movie opens up with the, the credits scrolling and you hear Godzilla stomping. So that's one thing that kind of runs throughout the movie is you hear Godzilla. So they, they use sound really well. And then you hear the uh, Akafubi, the theme that's become so popular. It starts off with a ship being set on fire at, at sea. You know, you see like, the ocean exploding and then a boat comes out to look for them same thing happens three survivors are found same thing happens to the boat that they survived that uh, they were found on so finally one man floats ashore and there's some cool stuff with the local fishermen they can't get any fish so there's the old man who says it must be godzilla which is sort of like um, they call him godzilla or gojira as a reference to something from part of their culture you know that they, they had this this monster and whenever fishing was poor they would do this ritual and it actually says they would have a sacrifice yeah. they would take a a young woman out and just leave her in the ocean as a sacrifice yeah, to just send her adrift to sea <laughs> yeah yeah kind of like throwing a woman into the volcano or something but 
yeah, so that's what they end up naming Godzilla after. And it's a pretty cool little, uh, I guess it's Shinto, the folk religion, the dance they do with the mask. But they, they come out to investigate. Oh, yeah, during the night, there's um, there's a storm. And we don't see Godzilla yet, but we hear him, right? It shakes the whole house. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that stuff's really cool, too, how they, yeah. they shot that. I mean, they, they probably had, like, a fake set set up somewhere, and they shook it. But, yeah, no CGI. But after testimony from the villagers, they form a team to investigate. They find radiation uh, and giant footprints. So that's kind of a giveaway. And they find the uh, they make their first appearance. The <laughs> yeah. first time, like the two guys are going around, and the one guy like kind of leans over into the footprint to like kind of poke it sort of in the footprint, <laughs> and then he like jumps down. And I was like, oh my gosh, guys, come on! <laughs> yeah, and then he tells everybody, "Hey, everybody, back up! It's not yeah, safe." Everybody's yeah. like, "Ah, okay." <laughs> yeah, but we need to put in context. This is so this movie, along with Beast from Twenty Thousand Fathoms, really kicked off that monster phenomenon of the 50s there were a ton of movies like this where it's radiation movies giant monster movies and uh so at this point people weren't as aware of the dangers of radiation right but it is kind of funny like oh you guys should be wearing suits or something and he tells the doctor he's like don't don't hold that with your hands and the doctor oh yeah oh yeah oh yeah 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 right back to playing with the water with his hands yeah uh, if you've ever taken science classes and, you know, at college or whatever, it's all very strict these days. Like you have to. So it is kind of funny seeing the scientists just picking up stuff he finds. So I don't know. Watching the movie now, this early part, I mean, we know what's coming, right? We know it's Godzilla. We know the footprints are Godzilla. We know radiation, all that. So uh, <laughs> but they also find um, uh, what was it called a tri- trilobite, like an ancient yeah what we would think of as a fossil, but it's still alive. So they're like, okay, there's some building up to what we're seeing here, something ancient. Mm-hmm. Something from uh, the Jurassic period. Yeah. And then at 22 minutes in, we finally get our first look at Godzilla. It's a very iconic shot of him coming over the hill. But I, I love the buildup. You hear, uh, you know, you hear the, the stomping first. It's like thunder. His footprints are like thunder. And sometimes it doesn't make sense because it's in the ocean. You wouldn't hear his footprints if he's swimming in the ocean, but uh, (laughs) so then we get the, uh, oh, the scientific explanation scene. So have you guys seen many of these old fifties movies, monster movies? You probably haven't. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of them for modern audiences won't be that interesting. It's not something I know as well as say, you know, like the eighties horror movies, but I still like it, but some of this uh, becomes familiar tropes, and this is one of them. You have a bunch of scientists in a room explaining to everybody what's going on. You know, they just sit down and tell you what's going on. <laughs> so, Doctor, uh, oh, what's his name? Yamani, I think. Did I say it right? He is. Uh, he tells us Godzilla is an ancient animal. He's about 165 feet tall. As we said earlier, he was either sleeping or living in a deep underwater cave until. H bomb testing destroyed his habitat. So now he's coming up to the surface. He's um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, in the and then in the American dub, they say he's 400 feet tall. I don't bad translation, but yeah, about 160 feet tall, and he gets a lot bigger uh, throughout the decades. But um, makes sense, just just like the humans. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, but that's just a you know a common thing you saw in these movies was the the scientists sit down and explain to you what's going on. Hey, okay, this is the monster. Here's what it is. Here's some diagrams. It's like what's a genre-defining aspect of like that time period. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. 
so after that, they have an argument about whether to tell the public the truth. So one is there's going to be a panic, right? Like, oh, if we tell everybody, there might be a panic. And two, this was interesting. Um, it might hurt their international relations. You know, they're like, oh, basically saying if this comes out and it's the Americans' fault that woke up Godzilla, that's going to make things kind of strained here. Yeah, what did you guys think about this uh, this debate here? I mean, very quickly it's resolved, and they do tell everybody, but uh, it was kind of fun that they argue about whether or not to even tell people. Yeah, I liked it. Uh, yeah, it was a fun scene, an interesting back and forth of whether they should tell people or not. Uh, yeah. Just the interactions were kind of funny for me because of the over-exaggerations. <laughs> yeah. But my thought, too, is like how it's like, things politically in those kind of situations just don't change. It was like the old guard, like the mm-hmm. old guys say, we must protect our reputation. And then there's like the journalists and the kind of like people pushing for truth. And they're like, no, the truth is important. And they're yeah. like, ah! And it's like this classic <laughs> dilemma that, you know, plays out time after time after time. And he literally tells her to shut up. Yeah. Oh and God, he's like, Quiet, shut up over there. Um, and so... Yeah, and well, and, and my takeaway was they, you know, they decided not to tell everyone, right? When it shows you the newspaper the next day, it's like research teams have been assembled, mysterious ships. So my read of it was that they like then do kind of try to keep it under wraps uh, a little bit longer. I thought they said because there's 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 the scene where they're on the train talking. I thought they said they that did. oh now we've got Godzilla to worry about. Yeah, they mm-hmm. did include it, didn't they? Because I, I thought I had seen that. I think so. But addition to Godzilla, you know, as we mentioned earlier, they also talk about how uh, so more ships are sinking. Now they've got like 20 ships and all the fish are inedible because of this. So they're like, oh, so much, so many problems. But uh, yeah, it's (laughs) there's a plan for the Navy to attack Godzilla. They just start throwing bombs into the oceans randomly, I guess, to bring them to the surface. It was like, uh, the ocean's a big place, everyone. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. You're killing all these other things. (laughs) Why are you just launching? (laughs) Yeah. There's maybe some commentary there, too. Just just bomb the ocean until he comes up. Right. Then we see that the professor, as a scientist, he wants to uh, study Godzilla. And this is something that comes up a lot. A lot of this stuff becomes classic material um you know the the military who's, who says you know we need to destroy the monster and then the scientist who says no we need to we have no right to destroy it we need to study it it's valuable research classic yeah uh but then later people on a cruise ship see godzilla surface <laughs> this one took me off because took me out of the movie a little bit because hey 20 ships have been destroyed you know there's a giant monster out there why are you on a cruise <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> pandemic didn't stop people, so I'm not surprised that people stayed on it where Godzilla was. <laughs> yeah, not to get too much into modern politics, but yeah, people don't always respond intelligently to threats. So <laughs> maybe it's not so outrageous, but moving on. Uh, <laughs> the professor. <laughs> The professor tells everyone that there's no way to kill Godzilla. He's indestructible because he survived hydrogen bomb explosions. I like the... Yeah, baptized by fire is what he says. Yeah, baptized in the fire of the H-bomb. Man, yeah. that was beautiful. 
very very poetic this movie is very poetic it's beautiful um but it's also a good point like oh how are we supposed to kill this thing that survived the most powerful weapon we know of in existence um keep them from stopping like shooting machine guns at it (laughs) yeah yeah that's it's always funny that's another thing that becomes common talk about that a little later but there's they always just shoot weapons at godzilla even soldiers with guns and like shooting their machine guns what are you gonna do come on guys run but at this point in the movie we're introduced to sort of the main human drama here as we've already said we've got the professor's daughter amiko uh she's in an arranged marriage or she's going to be married to dr sarazawa but she's in love with ogata and they're trying to tell they need to tell sarazawa and they need to tell her dad too like hey we want to get married. We don't want her to go through with this arranged marriage. So, yeah, I want to take a moment to just talk about the the human drama here because this is something that gets brought up in Godzilla movies. A lot of them don't have great human characters, and there's sort of this debate uh, if you go onto the forums, which I recommend you don't do, actually, uh, about, oh, should we need better human characters. I don't care about the human characters. I just want to see giant monsters. But what did you guys think about the the human story here did you like it or was it just a distraction till you get to godzilla this whole conflict of the arranged marriage and yeah i mean i thought it was well set up i you know sometimes their acting is definitely some overacting uh scattered throughout pretty clearly i, I think but i like the uh i was surprised at the degree to which it was a, the the new one was a remake and how it kind of followed some of the storylines and um yeah, I thought there were some nice ethical dilemmas worked in. The uh, the romantic relationship stuff was less interesting and I thought fairly ambiguous at uh, points. Um, yeah, I thought that it, it, compared to later Godzilla movies, this is like a much more involved storyline where it's often like, you know, well, you know, I do know. I do know. A very small role. And in this, at least the, the storylines are important and there's some poetic drama uh, that comes at multiple times that gives the humans some role in it and things. So yeah, I thought the humans were, were a reasonable addition in this one. Yeah. It takes a little while to really set it up. You know, I mean, we're a good ways into the movie when you start figuring out what's going on here, but as far as the uh, monster movies, Godzilla movie human characters go, this is one of the better ones, I think. And as someone who's interested in Japan and the culture, it's kind of fun to see, you know, the culture at the time from the 1950s. But uh, talking about the characters, Akira Takarada, who plays Ogata, he he went on to star. He was a new actor at this time, and he went on to star in a lot of these movies. But for him, this was a really big opportunity. He's like, this is my first, I'm the star of this movie. This is my first role not his first role, but his first big performance, first time as a star. And he tells a story about going on set and he was very formal in introducing himself. Hello, my name is uh, Takarada. I'm, I'm the star of this movie. Nice to meet you all. And someone yelled out, <laughs> the translation of what they said was, hey, idiot, you're not the star. Godzilla is. And he's like, oh, okay. <sighs> and he kept put in his place very early on. Yeah. So <laughs> just a funny story there. <sighs> But then kind of building up that story a little bit, a reporter comes to interview Dr. Sarazawa because he's heard that he's wor- his research, he's working on something that could be used as a weapon against Godzilla. Uh, and he denies it. He's like, nope, don't know what you're talking about. 
uh, see you later. And he asks, he shows Amiko what he's working on. He takes her down to the lab and there's a fish tank there and we don't see what happens. He, except he drops something in the fish tank and then it cuts to them and she screams. So we don't really know what's happening at this point. So now we're like 45 minutes into the movie and we still haven't had a lot of Godzilla destruction yet. We had at the beginning of the movie uh, it's all off screen pretty much, but now we're starting, we really get to see Godzilla. He comes on shore and he's stomping around the city. This is all classic stuff. He tears through the power lines. He stops on the stamps, stomps on the train track and blocks the train with his foot. This is your first time seeing real Godzilla destruction. You know, to me here, he doesn't actually seem like he's attacking. Did you guys see this as him attacking? Um, at least compared to what comes later, it seems more like him just coming on shore and wandering around because he leaves pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. I agree with that statement. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I mean, um, he just kind of hangs around the shore, yells some, says, leave me alone, <laughs> and goes back yeah. to the ocean. <laughs> yeah, <work>. that... <laughs> Wait and see what's coming. <laughs> right, yeah. I mean, comparing this to what comes a few minutes later, uh, he seems almost just like, like he's just exploring. He, he's been driven out of his habitat. He comes in, walk around, walks around, looks around, and then leaves. But it doesn't seem like he's actually attacking. And that's kind of fun, too, because he's not trying to be destructive, but just existing. He's, just, he's destructive, right? right? So then we get another common trope, which is all the scientists and the military people get together and they outline their plan. They evacuate the citizens living along the coast. Although later, it doesn't seem like many citizens actually evacuated. I don't know if they didn't evacuate enough people or what, but they build a giant barrier of tall electrical wires and Godzilla comes back again at about 55 minutes in. And here we get all, all the classics like you were talking about, Justin. You get the soldiers and the tanks. Well, at least early on, you can kind of think, uh, okay, it makes sense to bring out the soldiers and the tanks. Later on, like the 10th movie, you start to wonder why they're still sending yeah, in soldiers and tanks because they do nothing. Yeah, it just kind of bounces yeah, off the, of them. Is this the part two where the planes are all coming in shitty? <laughs> That's when he gives his full on assault. And like the scene when the guns <laughs> are walking in the ocean and the planes are coming by and they're shooting off the missiles. None of them hit him. Yeah, that's at the end of the scene. Fire, fire, fire. <laughs> that's at the end of this scene. Yeah, all the planes are attacking him. And that's the one part, at least on my you know, Blu-ray criterion, you can see some of the strings on the planes. That's okay. <laughs> yeah, Godzilla just completely doesn't even respond to the planes. Like he doesn't know they're even there. <laughs> He's like, he kind of treats me kind of like flies. <laughs> yeah, but the next like, 10 minutes or so of this movie is what most people are probably coming to see and what you think you're going to see in a Godzilla movie. Well, let's go over some of the stuff that happens here because now Godzilla is definitely attacking and it goes on and on. So he walks through the electrified wires. He tears them down. The rockets and the soldiers do nothing. The tanks, the missiles, they don't do anything. And for the first time we see Godzilla use his uh, atomic breath. That's something that became, it takes almost an hour before you see the atomic breath, but that's something that became a, a trademark. And this is something we're watching this movie after seeing some of the other ones first. It's a little disappointing to me because it just looks like he's spraying mist 
because I think he actually is just spraying mist. They just had a little machine set up where it sprayed mist and they, they filmed it. So, but watching the later movies where it's like lasers or fire or blue or, you know, it's kind of disappointing to just see this little mist. <laughs> but uh, it melts the electrical towers. He's, um, he's using, he uses his breath a lot on buildings, which causes huge instant fires and explosions. Uh, he's stepping on buildings. He's pushing them over. He's knocking them over with his tail. Um, he vaporizes a car too. I like that one. What's that? He vaporizes like a car. Yeah. <laughs> and keep in mind in all of this, we're seeing people die. I mean, you see people running and that's pretty typical in Godzilla movies, but usually you don't see people uh, just flat out dying, but <laughs> people are being killed. Yeah. The one with the scene with the reporter is pretty freaking dark. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. The tower, tower yeah. yeah you just see the little bodies go <laughs> yeah they are very well ladies and gentlemen <laughs> yeah i want to talk about that that's a really powerful scene they're yeah. they're kind of off in the distance on top of a tower filming this whole thing and um they it, it's sort of like the uh the musicians on the titanic you yeah. know they see their death coming and they just stay yeah. there and keep doing their job and as you said like as godzilla is getting close he goes well, Godzilla's here, everybody. This is the end. <laughs> We're going to die. Goodbye. And then Godzilla knocks down the building and you see them all fall to their deaths. Yeah, it's a really so. nice shot, too, because it looks like it's from one of their points of view kind of crashing into the ground. It's like, mm -hmm. It looks like a first-person point of view, and then it, it zooms out, and you it's the tower falling over. Um, but uh, there's some really nice shot effects there, too. Yeah, it's great. And there's another scene um, that's maybe probably even harder than that and i think the scene was cut out uh of the american version with the mom and her children you remember that yeah we're about to go see daddy yeah just in the middle of all this destruction there's a woman holding her kids uh and she's telling them like hey we're about to go see daddy <laughs> implying that we're gonna die but it's okay you'll see your dad again so that's yeah this is a dark movie yeah, there are a lot of scenes in here too that I thought of that gave me like World War II vibes from like it's a one like uh it's um I guess it's a wonderful life, but you know, with all the nurses and stuff trying to run people to hospitals as the yeah. stuff's playing out, and it's like, man, it's just and all of the like what are cl clearly burned victims, it's just too much. <laughs> too much, man. Yeah, if you haven't caught on to the 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 war and uh the metaphor is going on you should probably get it by now because literally the whole city is on fire i mean there's a lot of shots here where godzilla is just standing in the night completely surrounded by a burning city you know it's very well done and very powerful uh very powerful imagery and then after that it just keeps getting darker we go to once godzilla is gone we see there's a hospital and it's full of people like literally people just laying on the floor everywhere because they don't have enough room there's people burnt, there's people bleeding, and there's children crying. This actually is where the American version, which was heavily edited, is where that movie starts. Uh, they open up with this, where Raymond Burr is kind of laying in the rubble, and he's like, okay, let me tell you what happened, how we got here, type of thing. So it's interesting how they changed everything around. Uh, but we finally figured out what happened, what Sarazara has been working on. So Amika, uh, Amiko is so overwhelmed that she tells Ogata what she saw. Now, this part freaked me out as a kid. I do definitely remember that. So he drops his little, his weapon 
or whatever it is. It's like a little ball he puts into the fish tank, flips the switch, and this is called the oxygen destroyer. And it turns all the fish into skeletons and then liquefies their bodies. Uh, well, oxygen destroyer first is a terrible weapon name. <laughs> but it is pretty horrific. Uh, yeah. uh, that's what it actually does when the like little skeletons pull up. But every time I read oxygen destroyer, I was chuckling to myself a little bit. Uh, you're going to make some people mad with that. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, it's a classic, man. It's classic. But yeah, the science behind it is a little... I'm going to take your oxygen away in the water that's made of oxygen. <laughs> but basically what it does, does something on the atomic level, it, it completely destroys living matter, right? So uh, it turns them into skeletons and then they dissolve into nothing. Yeah, seeing that when I was seven years old really struck me. Because it's very dark and it's very emotionally charged and Amiko completely freaks out and starts crying. But seeing all these fish just vaporized into skeletons Mm -hmm. was pretty powerful stuff. So now we're getting into kind of uh, one of the big moral dilemmas of the movie and more human stuff. So Agato and Amiko go to talk to Sarazawa to try to convince him to use the weapon against Godzilla. But he doesn't want to use it. He doesn't want anybody to know about his research. And the reason is is because he's created a new super weapon of mass destruction. What he's created is just as bad, if not worse, than the, the hydrogen bomb that's caused all these problems. So he plans, he's, he goes to destroy all his research. He's like, there's no way I'm going to use this as a weapon. If I use it just one time, the whole world will have a new weapon. Even if I destroy my research, I could be coerced into using it. Well, what did you guys think about the, the sort of ethical situation that he's in. I think it's a pretty good, a pretty good dilemma the film builds where he has the power to stop Godzilla, but he may be creating something worse. I mean, as you know, this is what I do basically my research on, applying this to what a lot of people are concerned about as a modern new weapon of mass destruction. Um, and it's it's really tough, I think. So I, I like how it lays out, I like how it resolves it as well as it will get to um but it it sets it up really nicely because there are not only are there like ethical dilemmas about what to do with the science and what people might do with it but there's also this like dilemma with the scientist because he like it's like the individual one like he knows that if he sets it into the wild like uh, that that it could cause lots of problems but that if he doesn't and he just keeps it in his own mind someone might torture him for it for example so and i think in his mind a decision to use it is a decision to you know uh, not leave any remaining records (laughs) as he Mm -hmm. kind of puts it and it's tough but you know it's also really compelling when um when the other guy whose name i'm I'm blanking on right now is like but what are we to do with this horror right in front of us you know we have to we have to do something we can't just let it destroy us um and this is you know the classic security science debate that we're playing out in real time at a really dangerous level today too yeah that's sort of the the nietzsche quote about fighting with monsters making sure you don't become one yourself you know Mm -hmm. as we're basically as we're responding to this threat are we going to create something even worse so and it had to be really i mean at that time period right in the wake of these testing of like you know, as you were saying earlier, this is right during the Cold War, right? So we're ramping up more and more and more 
at that time we were still testing more and more powerful bombs. Like we hadn't stopped doing that yet. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so the thought would have been really on everyone's mind of like, this is really dangerous. We've just watched weapons of mass destruction just do so much destruction. Yeah. Um, yeah. I just remembered there's a funny part earlier in the movie where it's, it's done in kind of a humorous way. It's actually pretty dark humor, I guess where on the train the woman says i just i barely got away from hiroshima and now there's godzilla like yeah, yeah. so <laughs> tuna or something is what she said yeah so but yeah I, I like this i think um later movies they didn't always put as much effort uh into the human parts and sometimes they don't even try and in the most recent godzilla movie king of the monsters the american version they bring back the oxygen destroyer but it's kind of an afterthought we were all excited i think when we heard oh they're gonna bring back the oxygen destroyer but it just kind of comes out of nowhere and then amounts to very little <laughs> if you guys remember from that movie they they get a call from the military it's like we're sending in a new weapon it's called the oxygen destroyer it's on the way get out of the way and then it blows up and then yeah so, <laughs> i didn't remember that that's awesome <laughs> yeah the oxygen destroyer comes back but it's kind of like just comes and goes really quickly so finally after that there's scenes on the television of all the destruction caused by godzilla and we get another really kind of like hauntingly beautiful scene of the the girls choir singing mm -hmm. over all this mm -hmm. you know what it kind of reminded me of when we did uh invasion of the body snatchers at the end of that movie when he's hearing amazing was it amazing grace and he sees that uh on the boat that they're about to send out the aliens all over the world. Oh gosh, yeah, I yeah. Love that. Kind of a similar mood there. You reminded me of uh, again of it's a it's a wonderful life when they're like talking, you know, having all the VJ day and VE day and like all the people are in the churches singing. That's what it reminded yeah. me of. Yeah, but it's 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 a really beautiful, darkly beautiful scene, I think. But we're getting to the ending now. So what happens? He after seeing this moving moments on the television he agrees to use use the weapon he destroys all of his research uh they go out on a boat they find godzilla and sarazawa insists upon going down in the diving suit with them to take the bomb to godzilla and ogata goes with him and i really like this under underwater stuff there's a lot of underwater cinematography of godzilla under the ocean it's very pretty um, and they find Godzilla and Sarazawa signals like, okay, let's go back up. But he stays behind and activates the bomb and he radios to Ogata that it's working and they try and pull Sarazawa up, but he cuts his own rope. Mm -hmm. So they can't pull him up. And he says, I wish that I hope you and Imiko have happiness together. And so he was never told, but he's basically figured out like, oh, also my supposed to be my wife is in love with someone else so there's that but yeah he he commits basically commits suicide and dies with his weapon to make sure that it can never be used again uh we see godzilla surface and scream then he sinks back into the water turns into a skeleton dr uh yamani i forget his name sorry he gets the last words basically saying very clearly what the movie was about like if nuclear testing continues another godzilla can't may show up one day the end what did you guys think of the movie there's a lot that happens there sarazawa's noble sacrifice i guess yeah. yeah i i liked it um i like the you know um 
the really ethical and like moral dilemmas of whether or not to use, you know, nuclear weapons and what happens when you do and really the dilemma on whether you destroy this creature, right? That you know nothing about and it's probably the only one of its kind and whether or, or you study it and see what it is or what it, you know, and how the scientist felt about his, um, what is it, the oxygen what? Oxygen destroyer. Oxygen destroyer should be released or not. And, you know, that's not, you know, at the very end, why he commits suicide, because that way no one can get any of the information that he has. And so, I mean, I thought it was a good movie. Godzilla is made as a, he's shown as kind of a victim too, right? That's another Mm -hmm. thing. He's not just an evil monster. Uh, We're definitely, if you haven't felt sympathy, sympathy towards him already, you do here at the end when you're seeing him dying. Yeah, so I uh, it gave me a whole different idea on the whole Godzilla franchise, the ending to this movie, which I'm sure is not original to me, uh, but I, I didn't look to see if it was a fan theory. But one of the things one of the things that I liked is at the end he says if if you know atomic testing continues, even though we killed this Godzilla, there might be others. He wasn't likely the only one of his species. And so rather than thinking of future Godzillas as like the same Godzilla returning, another like way of thinking about the future Godzillas and the changes and how they're different is like different Godzillas actually showing up because nuclear testing did continue. I never thought of it that way. And then I was like, ah, maybe all the future Godzillas are actually different Godzillas. And it blew my mind so i'm yeah. sure there are fan theories on that but i loved that once he when he says that at the end because like sets it up so for the whole series to be different godzillas and i had never thought of that or heard that yeah that gets addressed later because there was a sequel godzilla raids again that came out the next year they had another movie uh there's a pretty significant drop in quality right away i mean i love all these movies but uh, i don't think anything really touches this one in terms of just cinematic quality but yeah, very quickly they say, oh yeah, there was another Godzilla. Ta-da. Um, so yeah, that's brought up. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, the ending's really powerful. As a kid, that had a pretty big impact on me. Like the idea of this guy cutting his rope and staying down and dying with Godzilla. You know, it's very powerful stuff. So yeah, good it's, movie. It's really better than a lot of what comes later from like a storytelling and cinematography and dramatic. I mean, this is like a, I think this should be on like par with Frankenstein and some of the other like classic monster movies that then get parodied a lot later. I was really surprised at how serious and dark and well done it was after growing up with so much of it being about like the monsters punching one another mm-hmm. um, and so little about the humans that the imagery in this one really, I think, is uh, is pretty haunting. There are some there are some images out there of this that will, I think will stay with me of Godzilla and the fire uh, all around of just such a clear warning to humanity of being careful of what you play with with your new technologies. I mean, it's as powerful of a vision of that as I've seen done in art or film anywhere else. Kind of, you know, seeing the the main ones that kind of physicists and uh, scientists like talk about and those images are really searing i think um so i was i really enjoyed watching this yeah it's hard to it's hard to overstate 
uh, how important this movie is and the quality of the film from an artistic perspective in terms of, you know, the messages behind it, the impact it had on cinema, uh, an incredibly influential movie. It's the series is still going. And yeah, I don't know that uh, the movies ever equaled this one in terms of what it accomplished. Uh, I like I like all the movies, some for different reasons, some of them because of you know, they're not so great. There's some stuff that comes later that's really bizarre. I like uh, all those movies. Um, yeah. Some of them are really not so good. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love them. So, but yeah, that's uh, that's the original uh, Godzilla. If you get a chance, everybody, go see this actual, again, I've emphasized it several times now, but see the Japanese version and watch the American version too with Raymond Burr because it's it's almost its own movie. And there's, there's good stuff to take away there. Don't completely write that version off. And that's the version that, you know, kind of made Godzilla in the West, the one yeah. with Raymond Burr. So, oh, wow. Anything else to say about Godzilla? Did we get all of it out? <laughs> all of it for now. Just like Godzilla, though, to be continued. Uh, yeah. We should revisit Godzilla soon. Yeah. And actually, sooner than you think. Because coming up next, uh, for our next episode, we will be doing... King Kong versus Godzilla, the original 1962, um, because by the time that one comes out, it will be almost time for the, the remake to come out in theaters. So we're all really excited about that. But yes, we will be looking at the King Kong versus Godzilla from 1962. Specifically, <laughs> I should clarify, the American version. This time we were big on the Japanese version, but for King Kong versus Godzilla, I want to talk about the American version that with all the dubs and, uh, and everything. So I'm excited about that. That's one of my favorite movies of all time. I'm, I've been saying, you know, we've had remakes for, God, for well over a decade. There's been endless remakes and people complaining about how terrible they are. This is one movie that I've always wanted to see a remake of, you know, with a big budget. Ooh, we're getting it soon. And yeah. it's promising. It's promising from the trailers. Uh, let's watch the extended footage once we're done recording. All right, let's do it. Yeah, I think once that movie comes out, we'll definitely do something, something regarding it. I want to talk about it. So, all right. Well, that's it for this episode. We'll see you next time. Everybody go watch King Kong versus Godzilla. And we'll talk about it next time. All right. Bye. Say goodbye, everybody. Bye. Goodbye, everybody. Bye. Goodbye.